Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Peter Christofides at our Buragoon campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. We continue in our series on friendship, and tonight we have a look at uh, faithfulness, faithfulness, and the awesome God that we serve and how faithful He is. The passage tonight is 1 Corinthians 10. But let me give you a little bit of background before we get to that passage. At the end of chapter 9, Paul uh, writes about his own self-discipline. And he wants to explain to us that uh, he keeps his body under submission. And he says in chapter 9 verse 27 of 1 Corinthians, No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And so he's saying, listen, I, uh, I strike a blow, it's, it's saying, I hit myself kind of under my eyes, so my eyes can see properly the things of God, so I'm not distracted. It's a beautiful image there. I hit myself, metaphorically, so I see what God wants from me, rather than what my flesh wants. And I'll explain that a little bit uh, later. And so he's saying, I don't want to be superficial. I want to understand who God is. And he's saying to you and to me, I want you to understand who God is. And I want us to worship the true and living God. And he says that we must be careful of assuming something. And I think what he means there, be careful that you have grown up in the church, that you have done your bit, that perhaps you've been baptized, perhaps you've had communion, you've celebrated all the festivities of the church, and you can still not know Jesus Christ. And that's why he says, I strike a blow unto myself, I want to discipline myself, so when I preach the gospel, I must make sure that I don't miss the prize. Because, you know, we can put on our Sunday best, come to church, smile, God bless you, uh, no high fives, but, you know, we can all do our bit and still miss it, he's saying, because of who he's writing to. And there is a reality here that God is faithful. And he's about to tell us how God is faithful. And he, he'll, he'll explain to us some examples from the Old Testament. And he'll explain to us that these examples are warnings. Be careful. Be careful that you don't fall into the same trap as our fathers in the Old Testament. And then he gives us some advice. And that advice is good. And then he gives us a word of encouragement. So I'm going to ask John uh, if he'll read the passage to us, please. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the same spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, 
and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Thank you, John. But there are some warnings there, and Paul doesn't want us to assume anything. And so he gives us some warnings uh, from lessons of the past in verses 1 to 4 in that next slide. And he begins to warn us by offering some important examples. Some important examples in that next slide. Uh, And he says, listen, remember our fathers uh, in the wilderness... So he's telling us a story of, of Exodus there, and you can read about it, uh, where, where God was taking them out of Egypt to go to the promised land. Remember that time. And Paul is drawing some parallels between those that came out of Egypt and the Corinthians, and perhaps you and me. And he's saying, listen, learn from these people. And he, said, uh, he says in verses 1 and 2, For I do not want you to be ignorant of this fact. And that ignorant, I don't want you to ignore it and assume anything uh, because you think you know the Lord Jesus Christ. He's wanting them and us to make sure that we know the Lord Jesus Christ. Not so we can, I wonder if I'm going to make it into heaven. No, so we can pass through with flying colors and we can come before the Lord Jesus Christ because he is a faithful God is what John is trying, oh, Paul is trying to tell us. And he says that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In the sea. And God had initiated all of that. Before God took them out, they were people. They were slaves under Pharaoh and his leaders there. But now God calls them out and he calls them Israel. Before they were just people, now they are Israel, people of God. It's the first time they've been given this beautiful title of people of the true and living God. And he says, God was with you by day through the cloud. By night he guided you with fire. His very presence was among you. In fact, he led you on dry ground through the Red Sea. And you, the Egyptians you saw, you will never see again. And so God is saying to them, listen, there are amazing lessons. God was with you. And he reminds them in verses 3 and 4. And he's taking them back to Exodus chapter 16, where they're grumbling he says, listen, you're thirsty. And he says, God allows him to strike a rock and water comes out. And he gives them food uh, to eat every single day. Now, folk, you may know that the, the, the journey from Egypt to the promised land is 14 days. It took them 40 years, 40 years to discover that they were Israel, people of God. To, identi- to, to begin to uh, understand their identity as men and women of God. And God was faithful. I did the maths. Six days God gave them manna from on high. And I investigated, what is this manna from on high? I wish I was there. It was wafers with honey on it. Yeah, Mo. Wafers with honey. With, uh, honey. They wake up in the morning and they can go and get it off the ground. Every single day they can go and get enough. At night 
they are provided with quail six times. And there is enough for them. If they get greedy, it goes off. But on that sixth day, because they can't work on the seventh hour to rest, God says take a double portion. They take a double portion and it doesn't go off. How does that happen? Well, because of God's faithfulness. Remember, Corinthians, remember man and woman of God, that God is faithful. Remember the past. 12,480 times God does that. Six days a week, 52 weeks in a year, 40 years, 12,480 times. Listen, God is faithful. And then he talks to them about assuming something. There's a problem in assuming something. And he says, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them in verse 5. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And so they assume that because God is on their side, they just assume it, that everything will be fine. And he says, don't assume anything. Because out of that generation that God took out of Egypt, only two of them out of that whole generation were able to enter into the promised land. Caleb and Joshua. The others were scattered. Why? Because they assumed. And it says that God was not pleased. God did not think well of them. He did not think good of them. Why? Because uh, God demonstrated his faithfulness to them. And by choice they turned their backs on God. Oh, but Lord, I've been baptized. I partook at the Lord's table. You know, Sundays, uh, I've had these spiritual experiences. God, you know... God was not pleased with them because their hearts were not dedicated to the the facts of who God is. And folk, there is a grave danger. I grew up in a certain church and got baptized and uh, I was an altar boy for many, many years. And I thought all is well, but I didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. I assumed that all is well. I assumed that all is well, but I didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ personally. And so let me say this, there is a difference between knowledge of Jesus Christ, knowledge about him, and to know him personally. To know him personally. There are two beautiful words in the New Testament about knowing. The one is ginosko, to know about him, or gnosis, you know, to know about something. And they assume that they know about God. But there's another one that Paul uses, how we are to um, get into a relationship with God, and it's the word epignosi. Not just gnosi, to know, knowledge, gnosis, but epignosis, to enter into the very depth of who God is, and to know him, and to know him intimately. And that's what he's talking about, and he wants these Corinthians to, to get with a program. And he warns them, you know our fathers... They wandered in the wilderness. They assumed that God was with them. But be careful, you know, because you know about him, but you don't know him intimately. And then he gives us some advice to guide us. And from these examples that, that he gives us, he goes straight forward and he challenges them with some of the issues that they're struggling with. And he gives some advice uh, to us, to guide us. And the first one he highlights is the issue of idolatry. The issue of idolatry. And he says in verse 7, Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. And Paul is thinking about Exodus chapter 32 here, where he goes up on Mount Sinai to receive the commandments, and 
They can't wait for him to come down. So what do they do? They speak to Aaron. Aaron, we cannot wait. We want to worship our own God. And he says to them, bring all your jewelry. And they melt uh, the jewelry and they make a golden calf. And folks, that's dangerous. It's not necessarily that golden calf, but it's what happens to their hearts in the process. And that word, um, idololatris, is a, is a powerful word. You see, when my bride came down the aisle, when I got married, I saw her, I thought, I la travel you. Wow, you beautiful babe. And she came down and I thought, I adore you. What I saw, I adored. It was beautiful. And that can easily turn into worship. Now, don't worship her. She doesn't worship me. We love each other dearly. But it can easily turn into that. Because you give worth to the one you adore. And that's what they did. They turned their backs on the God of faithfulness to worship their own desires. Their own selfish desires. They began to worship all these other gods they were used to. And Paul had told them, be careful of that. Remember our fathers in the wilderness? Be careful of that. They turned their eyes on, away from God onto these idols. And these people had been delivered from all these idols, but they turned their eyes back on these idols. Be careful of that, he's saying to them. We've got freedom to do whatever we like. And he's saying to them, be careful, be careful. That's extremely dangerous. And then he warns them about sexual immorality. In verse 8, we should not commit sexual immorality. The word he uses there, porneo, porneo, uh, where we get the pornography and all that other junk that's associated with it. This unlawful sexual intercourse, unlawful sexual fornication. Be careful of that. And he warns them because he takes them back to Numbers chapter 25. Remember what happened in Numbers 25? Um, the, the, the people of Israel began to practice sexual immorality. And what did they do uh, with the daughters of Moab? Uh, again, part of that pagan worship of the Canaanite god Baal. And he says to them, be careful. Because remember, 23,000 died in one day. Be careful of that. Do you think they will listen? God is faithful, he's saying. God is faithful, he's on your side. He's given you the commandments. And they are not good for God, they are good for you. He is faithful. He will bless you. He will add to you if you abide in his word. If you abide by those commandments. But if you turn your back on him, be careful. There is danger that lies in your life. And folk, I think we live in a day and world where uh, this whole issue of love has been turned into a joke, to be totally frank. It's been turned into a joke. Because if love is about the other person, we've turned it into an idol about ourselves. And we begin to say, no, it's about myself. It's how I express myself, because that's how our culture expresses ourselves. In pornography and in freedom to do whatever we like. And he says, be careful of that. We gratify ourselves and we turn our back on God. In fact, those Corinthians were so bad that when, when people went around traveling on, on ships and boats and whatever they did, as they came into Corinth, they could say, hey, let's go and Corinthianize. And that meant that we can go to the temple of Diana and we can go and uh, you know, worship uh, and uh, do our, our own, but because there are many prostitutes there. In fact, we go and Corinthianize. Imagine being known for sexual immorality in your town. Mount Pleasant, we are known for our sexual immorality. What a disgrace. And he said to them, beware, beware, lest you fall. 
God is faithful. Remember what he did in the Old Testament. Not only punished them, but he was with them. Cloud in the day, fire at night. His very presence was among them. And then he says to them, thirdly, Christ will not be tested. Why? Because he is faithful. It's bad to put Christ to the test. And he says um, in verse 9, we should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. This incident took place in Numbers chapter 21, and there's complaining about the provision of food. They were saying, oh, Moses, you know, it was much better when we were back in Egypt. At least there were leeks and onions. At least if we died, we could be buried in graves there. He says to them, be careful, be careful, don't put God to the test. He's been faithful to you for 40 years, even though you have turned your back on him. God has been faithful to you over and over Again, and then the first, thing, the first thing he talks about is be careful of grumbling. Be careful of grumbling. You're unhappy, you say, hey, in verse 10. He says to them, do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. And we don't know exactly what uh, incident he's referring to there. But that word grumble is such a beautiful onomatopoeia. It's the word rogizo. Rogizo. And I think more flavor in your chest, you know, in your throat, is, it comes out better. And say, listen, be careful that you're not grateful for what God has given you. Because you had leeks and onions in Egypt. Now he's giving you wafer with honey. Wow, yum. And quail at night. What else do you want? Free of charge. God is faithful because you are people of God, Israel. Folk, we must be careful that we're not unhappy. Oh, I remember when, you know... I wasn't a Christian, at least I could go and do this and I could go and do that. Oh, now that I'm a Christian, this big fat book, how am I going to ever get through it? Rules and regulations. Folks, these rules and regulations are not for God. They're for you and for me. And this is good news. It's like a red traffic light. If you stop, your life will be spared. It's good news. If you break it, your life could be taken. Yours and those around you. This is good news. It's about Jesus Christ and how to live. And live in his presence. They forgot about that. He has to remind them. Just as he has to remind us. Be careful. Then he says to them. Listen. In verse 12. Be careful. If you think you're standing firm. Be careful that you don't fall. And he's warning them. To take action. Because there could be danger. Be careful he says. And folk I find this extremely powerful. So if you think. The word think there, if it's your opinion, if you think, if you suppose, or if you even assume that you're standing firm, be careful. Open your eyes, is what he's saying. Discern power of understanding. Be honest with yourself, because lest you fall. And that fall is not going from kind of a, you know, a small place to a lesser place. It's going from a higher place to a lower place. Sadly, my father was a very, very clever man, but he could never acknowledge that he had a drinking problem. He thought he was standing strong. And before he knew it, he wasn't drinking alcohol. Alcohol had consumed him. And within two weeks, he died. Be careful, Christian, man or woman, assuming that you're standing strong. God is faithful. We always need to humble ourselves and realize who God is. Wow. Those are warnings. That's good news. But then he gives us a word of comfort as uh, he closes that particular passage. And he warns and says, listen, in verse 13, be encouraged and comforted. 
Be encouraged and comforted. And he says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Let me end off by explaining this verse to you. Because God is a gracious God. He says that no temptation. The word there, pirasmos, where we get the word fire uh, or person who mingles with fire or is addicted to fire, a pyromaniac, pyromaniac. And he says, listen, no fire has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through hard times, I think, God, I wonder if you know what I'm going through. This is so unique, Lord. No one's ever gone through this. Lord, I'm traumatized by this fire that is coming to burn me. Lord, it's extremely unique. You have no idea, Lord. (laughs) As if the fiery trials come across our path that are extremely unique. And he's warning them, just as he warns us. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. God is faithful. He's trusty. He can be relied upon. He's worthy to be adored. That's the true and living God. And he's saying to them, all these other little gods that you serve are not trusty. In fact, in the Old Testament, they made their own God, put him in the, on the windowsill, and the wind blew him over. Put him back together and put him back up there. Careful. No, you cannot trust that God. But our God, the true and living God, is faithful. He will not let you be tempted uh, through more than you can bear. And that word bear, vinami, power, you won't, you, you'll have enough power to be able to handle it. And when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out. Beautiful picture where you think you're squeezed, but there is always a door, an exit, where you can actually get out of it. Why? Because he makes the way out so that you can endure it. And that word endure has got a, uh, it's ipofero, you go under, ipo, and you come out on top. You, you go under, and you endure it, but you come out on top. And you come out on top even stronger than when you went under. That is a faithful God. Folk, when difficulties come, be encouraged. Be encouraged because God is faithful. But you and I have a choice. Because when temptation comes, comes knocking on our door, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. And that's to welcome that temptation in and entertain it. Or there is a way out. And I want to suggest to you the way out through the picture of a glass in that last slide. A glass. The way out is to be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you and I might have this uh, assumption, again assuming, that I first need to get rid of certain sins And then Jesus will fill me. Friends, that's hard work. That's not Christianity. That's not getting rid of kind of stuff. Because in our own strength, we can never do that. But God is faithful. If our hearts are in the right place, and we fill ourselves up with the Lord Jesus Christ, that junk goes by itself. Does that make sense? That's the way out. When the temptation comes, as we fill ourselves up with the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the way out. He fills us with his presence because in our own strength, we cannot do it. And he's reminding them and warning them about what happened in the past. In their own strength, they could never do it. 
but as they uh, acknowledge the faithfulness of God and put him into the picture, the other junk has to go. You see, darkness exists. You cannot create it. When you turn the lights off, darkness exists. To get rid of the light, or to get rid of the darkness, you turn the light on. To get rid of the junk in our lives, we need to put Christ in. And as Christ comes in, the junk begins to go. Because God is a faithful God. He proved himself in the past. He proved himself to the Corinthians. And he will prove himself to you and to me as we put him first. Let's pray together. Father, your word says that greater are you that is in us than he that is in the world. So Lord, we want to acknowledge that. We want to boldly say that we want you to be first in our lives. Lord, we've read your word and we've seen how you demonstrated your love to those Old Testament people. And Lord, how you demonstrated your love to the New Testament saints and even to us every moment of the day. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, even when we have not been faithful. Thank you for your love, Lord, your amazing love. Thank you for it, Lord. Lord, we pray that we will put you in our lives and we will fill our lives up with you, Lord, rather than in our own strength to be able to get rid of all the the junk that is in. Help us to do this, Lord, we pray. Fill us afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.